Obsessed Couple. I'm Shelly. And I'm Scott. And we're here with our new series, Celebrity Spotlight. Woo, second episode. Boop, boop, boop. So we had a lot of fun with the first one, even though I was super nervous. I've edited all that out so you sound professional. I do. You did an amazing job. Like, you have no idea. I edited it out. I think our original episode was like two and a half, and I edited it to like an hour and 15. <laughs> I believe it. No. <laughs> so I was like, how do you say that word? Who's that name? <laughs> a lot of you in the background being like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Our listeners should be used to me throwing the F-bomb around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. None of that happened. It was a lot of fun. And if you haven't listened to it, we encourage you to go and listen to Lucille Ball. Even if you're not familiar with her, I think you would find the story fascinating. There was a lot of stuff in there that I was like, even when I was researching it, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't really have to be to familiar with her in order to listen to it because you could learn. Like, I only knew her from her show. Right. You learned a lot. Yeah. And while I was editing it, I did look up what happened to her brother. Listen to the episode to find out what happened with him. Oh, to Fred? He became like a industry man, I think. Like worked in Hollywood. Yeah. I think he was more behind the scenes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Because mm -hmm. I was listening to that whole section and it was like, oh, what happened and everything. And I won't give it away if you haven't listened to it. You should listen to it. But I was like, what happened to him? What, mm -hmm. what became of that man after that whole ordeal? I know. But today we are going to talk about B. Arthur, and she is better known in her role as Dorothy in The Golden Girls, mm -hmm. and she's the really tall one. Didn't know what her name in the show was. I've never really watched Golden Girls. I know of it. Right. Yeah, no, I, I watched it a lot. It was so funny. I know like most of their audience was like older, retired, because that's kind of what they yeah. talked about. I do know something that I can put in, and hopefully it is not in your notes, but there was a spinoff to the show of the Golden Girls. Yes. Called The Golden Palace. Yes. There was also Empty Nest, and even I read something about Nurses was a spinoff after The Golden Palace. Hmm. So we won't talk too much about the Nurses, but I do have stuff about The Golden Palace. Nice. Oh, yeah. actually not in this one. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> All of that I call it uh, senior programming, just for seniors to watch it. And, and Golden Girls, from the little I've seen of it, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. They're hilarious. I think they had some serious episodes about talk about like sex or... Mm -hmm. Basically their life and yeah. trying to get companionship. Rue McClanahan, who played Blanche, she was kind of the slutty one. Oh, yeah. So... Anyway, we'll talk about B. Arthur, and my plan is to kind of go through all of them, intent, mm -hmm. you're going to have more coming, to kind of tell you like different views from each person. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about B. Arthur and kind of like her role in it, and then I'll go into more detail on the other ones in other episodes. Okay. Cool. Sounds good to me. Cool, 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 cool. So I'm going to open with a quote from B. She says, I've done everything except stag movies and rodeo. And then I was like, I just need to look up stag to make sure oh boy. I'm correct. And it is correct. It's porn. Yes. So she has not done porn. If, if you were worried about that or wondering, maybe not worried, but if you're wondering, no porn. Scott. I just have to play it. Scott's got a smirk. I just have to play it. <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't blow the headphones off here. Are you telling me she didn't do that? She did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that was from Airheads, and I was showing her that earlier because we were going to talk about it, and I'm like, oh, I remember naked pictures of B. Arthur, and I was a kid watching that. I'm like, who's B. Arthur? <laughs> that is an odd request, yeah. but okay. Well, they were doing it because they wanted to plead insanity, so they requested a bunch of weird shit. Okay. Well, that would do it. And they get it. Like I said, one of the characters later is looking at photos, and someone's like, B. Arthur, outstanding. <laughs> Well, she was born Bernice Frankel on May 13th, 1922 in Brooklyn, New York. She would legally change her name to B, which is a nickname her mother gave her later in life because she hated the name Bernice. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her mom and dad were Philip and Rebecca Frankel. B had an older sister, Gertrude. And then in 1926, B became a middle child when her little sis, Marion, was born. Oh, okay. So she's a middle child. Mm Mm-hmm. So what they say about middle children is that they're very rambunctious. Yes. This is not B. Like Jan from the Brady Bunch, always pissed off. Right. And I have a middle brother. And let me tell you, whoa, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he had a rough life. Let's, let's say that too. Her middle name was B for Biatch. <laughs> no. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the family, little did they know that their life was getting ready to get flipped upside down with the Great Depression right around the corner. Oh, boy. Which started in 1929. They made a bold move in 1933 by uprooting from Brooklyn and moving to Cambridge, Maryland to open a women's clothing store. All right. That would, I mean, that would not be my first thing. But maybe they were seamstress. Is. They could be. I would assume, like, you would think in the Great Depression they would want to do something that everybody would need because, like... Although movies were big, Gone with the Wind made them, well, at this point, billions of dollars because people were trying to fuck get away from their terrible lives. So. Oh, I could imagine. But clothing, maybe, you know, everyone needs clothing. That's true. I mean, I guess it did good because they, they stayed there. School life was not so great for B. Her family were pretty much the only Jews in Cambridge. Oh, boy. It also didn't help that B was the tallest girl in her school. Now, I'm not saying being a tall Jew is bad. But being segregated like that will cause others to treat you like an outcast. Yes, yes. Jewish people back in the day were not very thought of very well because I was reading a book about kind of the history of the movies. And yeah, Jewish people were not thought of fondly. I know. And that's sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't care what religion you choose. That's you. Yeah. You know, if other people don't like it, that's okay. It's coming back to me now. When Hollywood was first started, a bunch of movie stars and movie, people that made movies moved out to Hollywood, California at the time, before Hollywood was made. Um, it was a religious place, like a big church area at the time. And then wow. when more movie people came in, they said it wasn't uncommon to see signs that said, no movie people or Jews. Oh, wow. Which is just insane. That is awful. Yeah. That's because really sad. Because they were all religious. They didn't want... The movie industry near here. Well, that's really neat. B did consider herself a misfit and painfully shy. She would spend most of her time reading movie magazines and dreaming of being a little short blonde movie star. Because oh. <laughs> she didn't like her height. Because, I mean, she probably got teased a lot. And Do you have it in there how tall she was? Not at this time, but uh, later on I do mention, okay. I believe. If not, I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure I put it in here. I must have. She did win the wittiest girl in her high school class by developing a badass Mae West impression. Oh, wow. So Mae West, I had to look her up, but she's got that sultry voice. Yeah. It's kind of a deep voice, but she also has an accent. 
Oh. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't I do I accents. I can't do anything. <laughs> I can just do what I do. I guess I haven't heard her before, <laughs> but I do know of her being an actress. Mae West? Yeah. Yeah. B was 16 when she was diagnosed with a serious, life-threatening condition called coagulopathy. Oh, wow. Usually, when we cut ourselves, we have blood clotting factors that causes our blood to clot so we don't bleed out and die. Mm -hmm. When someone has coagulopathy, they do not have those necessary blood clotting factors, which can cause them to bleed to death. Oh, wow. So you go to the dentist or you fall and scrape your knee and it could be fatal. Kind of similar to anemia, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that's usually when they don't have enough. Oh, okay. Uh, but this is just like you cut yourself shaving mm -hmm. and you usually kind of, it kind of congeals. Nope. It'll just keep running Damn. and running and running. It's crazy that they would have known about that back then, but I don't know how medicine was, <laughs> but you just think back in the day that medicine wasn't very advanced. Yeah. I have a little bit on that. Her parents were so concerned for her health that they sent her to Lindale Hall School for Girls, which is an all girls boarding school in Pennsylvania. I'm a bit confused by this because, I mean, did they think public schools called caused the blood disorder? I don't know, but not to be crass, but would a woman have a lot of problems with that disease? Well, I mean, that time of the month, mm -hmm. yes. I when you said it, I wasn't immediately going there, being like periods, but yeah. <laughs> when they said all women, I was like, oh, she bleeds. Their you know? menstrual cycle, yes. Yeah. So God, could that be life threatening? It, yeah. Jeez, mm -hmm. what a I terrible mean, disease. I mean that, yeah, and I'm glad you pointed that out because yes, that is huge. I mean, especially for a woman. Um, and then I thought maybe they thought boys really had cooties. <laughs> maybe they were like, oh, blood disorder came from a boy. They're going to an all girls school. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Because <laughs> she thought she could, wouldn't be in as much trouble around boys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just very confusing because, you know, I read that in several places and I'm like, I have no idea what they were thinking. Yeah. But uh, that's okay. And I'm not sure if she received any treatment, but in 1937, one year before B turned 16, the doctors at Harvard University would discover that they could correct blood clotting conditions by Adam by adding platelet-free plasma. No. Oh. And this was administered like blood transfusion. Mm -hmm. So if she did get treatment, that's probably what she got. Okay. Very interesting. That's one thing I would like to do research on, and this is for like my own free time, but just like medicine, the history of it. Oh, it's so cool. It's very interesting. Like, did you know, this is way off topic, but like doctors couldn't understand why they had such a high mortality rate when they were just, you know, wouldn't put, like, gloves on and stuff. Oh, yeah. And then, like, some other doctors or the health board or whatever, you know, posited that they should use, wash their hands before surgery. Mm -hmm. And the surgeons were so pissed off because they're like, well, we're not filthy animals. We're gentlemen. <laughs> they're like, why would our hands be filthy? So dumb. No, yeah. I remember reading that, uh, and I was just like, wow. But that is kind of like a doctor yeah. I mean, in my opinion, most doctors, and not all of them, are a little stuck on themselves. Yeah. Especially surgeons, I've read. Yeah. Mm. They can be, not all. Right, yes. And that is our opinion. Uh, B completed the last two years of high school at Lindell Hall and then went to college and completed coursework in clinical lab techniques. Wow. So, like, you know, like probably drawing blood and just doing minor nursing stuff wow yeah 
Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> she worked several years in Cambridge as a medical lab technician, as well as trying other jobs out. But none of it was what she really wanted to do. So she went back to New York to become someone else. Dun, dun, dun. It was something that wasn't known until 2010, which was after her death is that she took a job serving in the military from 1943 to 1945. Oh, wow. Yeah. She would deny her military service during her career. I don't think it was because she felt bad or embarrassed of it, but because she, her personal life and career were separate. Gotcha. Which I think is totally healthy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really helpful for me doing this research, but I can certainly respect it. Yeah. No, I get it. There are celebrities out there that don't want to talk about their personal life and how valiant of her, you know, she could have very well been like, I did my part. I was in the military. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all that. I love America, but she's just like, yeah, I did it. It's no big deal. Yeah. I watched an interview of her and she, she's the, the person doing the interview did ask, Hey, you were in the military, right? And she goes, oh, no. And she was, like, adjusting herself, and she was, like, very uncomfortable. And then she went immediately into her career. Oh, well. So I don't think she, like, meant to, like, deny it. But, like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. I. This is kind of weird to say, but I've also had thoughts of if I ever got, like, famous or people were interviewing me, if they're like, oh, do you have any siblings? And being like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sister. We haven't spoken in many years, but just being like, no, I don't. <laughs> they're like... Oh, gosh, when I go to the doctor, they're like, family history? I'm like, family? What family? <laughs> yeah. What, what are you talking about? I have no history. <laughs> so the Marines at the time were recruiting women with the slogan of free a Marine to fight. So women could do the non-combat jobs, which would free up the men to go fight in World War II. Nice. Yeah. And then I put in my notes, I mean, remember, that was a different world than it is today. Yeah. I think Marilyn Monroe worked in a factory during World War II. Mm-hmm. So... Because now, if you're a woman, you can be in combat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then it was just like, oh, nope, it's for the men, because the men are strong. Yeah, well, gosh, that's not a bad job. I mean, I admire anybody, you know, going into combat, because I cannot even imagine. Yes. Or even doing non-combat jobs is important. Mm-hmm. So, way to go, Marines. B was supposed to start a new job about this same time when she enrolled into the, the Marines, but she decided to no-show. Well, I don't know if she no-showed, but she didn't go to yeah. this new job and and just went to the Marines instead. Okay. Her hope was to be assigned to ground aviation, but was willing to do whatever. She started out being a typist at the Marine Corps headquarters in Washington, D.C., and then transferred to North Carolina in 1944 to be a truck driver and dispatcher. Damn. She actually put in for this request to be transferred. Be a truck driver? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm guessing a typist was not that exciting. I doubt it. My grandfather had a similar path. He told a story once of when he uh, went into the Air Force, he wanted to be in the motor pool, which was like driving around. He said he wanted to like drive trucks and stuff like that. Okay. And they were like, you scored too high on your tests. So he became a mechanic, but that's what he initially wanted to do. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's kind of... They're like, ah, you're too smart. Yeah. Well, you would be wasted. So in North Carolina, that is where she met her first husband and fellow Marine, Robert Allen Arthur. B was honorably discharged at the rank of Staff Sergeant in 1945. Damn. If you don't know, the ranks are Private, Corporal, Sergeant, and then Staff Sergeant. 
All right. So she was top class, man. Yeah, she had she had some rank there. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes with her work ethic, I think. She's just all about it. Very hard worker. So B and Robert would hit Hollywood together, except Robert wasn't really an actor. He wanted to write. Uh, he's referred to as one of the leading dramatists in Hollywood. All right. But they would end up growing apart and divorcing in 1950. Yeah, he said first husband there. Yeah. <laughs> Hint, hint. <laughs> kept his name, though. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's what it, my next line. Uh, she kept his name, though. Exactly what I said. Oh, she's. <laughs> but she changed the spelling because his spelling was. A-U. A-U-R-T-H-U-R. And she did A-R-T-H-U-R. I took your uh, Kindle there and I read it last night. I know. No. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when her famous B. Arthur name began. All right. In 1947, B enrolled in Dramatic Workshop, so this is a little bit before what we're talking about now, at the School for Social Research in New York City. B would study under Erwin Piscatter. He's a German director, so I can say Piscatter. Piscatter. Yes, probably. And that sounds German. It sounds was, angry enough to be German. I listened to a podcast, and there's a guy on there. He's like, if you ever want to speak German, just speak angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you've got the German language down. No offense to anybody that's German out there. Yes. Love you lots. There's a lady I used to work with that was German, and she would say things in German every now and again. would be like, oh, how do you say this? And she'd be like, <laughs> that means I'm happy today. <laughs> Even when Conan O'Brien does his German impression, he's always like, yeah, I think it's just like, it's. I don't know. It's just, I love it. I love accent or um, foreign languages of any kind. It's yeah. just so cool. Other students in her class were Harry Belafonte, Walter Mathau, Rod Steger, and Tony Curtis. All of them went on to fame, yeah. Yeah, so some pretty popular people. Piscatter would cast B in several plays like Taming of the Shrew and Clytemnestra, but she was not able to find professional work in the theater so because she wasn't able to find anything she started singing in nightclubs and reading bit parts on the sid caesar's show of shows oh wow you want to hear something funny about her singing i watched the star wars holiday special which is considered yes. i'm one gonna of talk the, about that oh well i'll just say it's considered one of the worst things ever made oh really yes i i, I watched the whole bit of her singing and i thought it was neat it's not star wars it well, doesn't it's, feel... it's a musical type thing. Yeah, like Carrie Fisher played Princess Leia. She said that if she would ever have a party and people were over and she wanted them to leave, she would put the holiday special on oh. and people would be gone in a bit. George Lucas refuses to like talk about it. Damn. She was content doing these small jobs because she was very happy in her life. She met her second husband who was a fellow student and actor and director, Gene Sachs. May have heard of him. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a pretty big name. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I, maybe it'll come back to me, but no. doesn't I've ring a bell. I've heard the name. I have no idea anything Gene about him. Gene Sachs? Mm-hmm. S-A-X? Mm-hmm. S-A-K-S. No. All right. Well, they would get married May 28th of 1950. Now, if you remember, I said she got divorced in 1950. Oh, married the same year? 
Yeah. How long after do you know? I don't know. It yeah. wouldn't say, and because she's so private about things, it was hard to, you know, find a lot of things. Well, gosh, maybe that's what my grandfather took his page out of my out of her book when he married another lady, like, shortly after my grandmother I died. Know. Like, B. Arthur did it. I'll do it. And I know she wasn't married that long with her first husband, but still, it was just all like, damn. Yeah. But, you know, that's okay. It's her life. Um, but they would end up making audition rounds together. Oh, okay. B would catch a break in 1954, landing a role of Lucy Brown in the off-Broadway hit, The Three Penny Opera. She received excellent reviews, praising her for her skillfully devastating scare, and she oozed comic demand. Other roles she would play throughout the 50s are an understudy for Ruth Winters in the musical Plain and Fancy, a main role in the musical Seventh Heaven, which was a flop, (laughs) a comedy play called Nature's Way. She would meet Norman Lear in the 50s, who loved her song Garbage in the musical Shoestring Review. I'm not sure... If he was well-known at the time, but he was a famous producer, writer, and director, which is Norman Lear. Yes, very, very famous. I know he did All in the Family, I think. You, you could look him up. I can't list all the things. I wanted to say Brady Bunch, but no, that's not correct. Norman Lear invited B to appear on an episode he was directing for a well-known comedy TV show called The George Goebel Show. The show ended in 1960 and kind of dropped off the edge of the earth, even though it was pretty popular at the time. Because I've never heard of it. No. But it's funny. I listened to some of it. Is funny. it like a radio show, did you say? No, it's a little TV show. Oh, it's okay. like, I don't know why I'm thinking, Ed Sullivan show or mm-hmm. just like where they interview people. But he didn't interview. Okay, it's not like that at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a one-man show of, and his wife was there, too. But anyway, oh, okay. you just have to listen to it. Google it. B wouldn't really do much career-wise until 1966. So you may be thinking, what did you do? So B and Jean would adopt a couple baby boys. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so nice. One of them was adopted in 1961 and the other one in 1964. B loved being a mom and her kids remember going on the road with her at a young age, hanging out in the dressing rooms of the plays that she was in. Wow, that's pretty cool. They also stated that B was a homebody. She would go out to do her acting gig and then come home, which is nice. Yeah. I have a lot in common with her. Not right? <laughs> and that's just kind of how she was. She was just kind of like, I'm going to go do my job, and then I'm going to go home, because that's where I love to be. She also loved animals. The, the kids always remember having a dog around. In 1966, she was the first to play the role of, of Yenti, the matchmaker, and Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. She worked with the famous director and choreographer, Jerome Robbins. Some things I read, she spoke highly about him. But in one interview, she would open up and say he was the only director to make her cry. Oh, wow. She was ready to quit before the show even got to Broadway, but she stuck it out and she killed it. At this time, her hubby, Gene Sachs, was directing a musical called Mame. You may remember that if you've listened to the Lucille Ball episode, because mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about Mame. Mm-hmm. So he talked B into playing the part of Vera Charles. And Vera Charles is the alcoholic best friend of the leading actress, which at the time was Angela Lansbury. Oh, wow. Murder, mm-hmm. she wrote. Yeah. yeah, yeah. B originally wanted the leading role because who wouldn't? Yeah. But her husband felt Angela was best for the main role and B would be great playing Vera. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
I mean, he was right, but she was not happy about it. You know, I don't get that. Sometimes the secondary roles, the supporting actors' roles, you know, kill the most. Yeah, I think she just really wanted a leading role, and that'll kind of lead into my next thing. <laughs> well, like Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, his actors always, the best supporting actors are, are the ones that win for Oscars. You know, like Christoph yeah. Waltz won twice. Samuel L. Jackson got nominated. Brad Pitt won. You know, you could do a lot. Like the main actor... Doesn't always mean to be the interesting one. Nope, not at all. But I'm guessing that doesn't end well. Well, it ends okay. I mean, she didn't want to do the musical, but she ended up winning a Tony Award for it. The made up for it? Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. I think her husband was right. And then that's why, because she, she won the Tony. Yeah, she's like, I didn't want to do this, but I'm glad that I won something for it. <laughs> But I think she was acting a little differently because in 1968, they would be working together again. They created a musical based off the novel A Mother's Kiss. B played the leading role of Meg, who was an overbearing mother trying to help her son get into college. Unfortunately, it flopped mm. and it flopped hard. Jeez. Yeah, they tried to revise it. But it never made it to Broadway. It's like you should have played the secondary character in this one. Mm-hmm. Reviewers would describe Meg as crass and insensitive. Damn. Her own husband would say there's a strong natural feeling among people that they don't want to see a woman like Meg on stage. This is in the 60s. What the fuck was she saying? Hmm, I don't know. It makes me think that uh, B was using her husband to get a leading role. Maybe. Mm. She's like, let's do this play together. Nudge, nudge. I'm going to be in the leading role. Nudge, nudge. Yeah, he's like, you fucked me over on the other one, so you're going to have to give me this one. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm going to make sure this flops. <laughs> and it did. I'm going to write some <laughs> shit for you to say in this one. <laughs> I don't believe God is real. Yep, keep going. <laughs> That's good. That's some good stuff there. People are going <laughs> to like that. Free abortions for everybody. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so Bee's friend Norman Lear would create a show called All in the Family. Holy shit. So you were right. And he, he was pretty popular in the 70s, I know, but he went on and did a lot. Yeah, it was definitely, this show was so popular in the day. I remember watching it, even though I wasn't alive in the 70s. So it went on for a long time. It was very popular, too, even after. Mm -hmm. Norman persuaded B to do a guest spot on the show as Maude in 1971. CBS loved her. So Norman and B went to work and created a spin-off series called Mod, which premiered in 1972. Wow. The show was a hit and had six seasons. It also had some controversial topics that were not normally on TV, like alcoholism, drugs, porn, and the big one, abortion. Oh, God. Yep. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'll say it here. Roe vs. Wade just recently got overturned, mm -hmm. and we've been trying to get away from it, like watching shows that you don't think things like that would come up in. Mm -hmm. And it does. Like, we watch the Orville, and it's heavy-ass topics this season. It's just everywhere. Yeah. It's like, did they know this was coming? I'm sure this was shot before all of that, and I wrote all of this before yeah. that, so I didn't even put in consideration that abortion was going to be a big thing. It's just, it's crazy how it's impacted our lives. I was watching the West Wing and they were like, oh yeah, the Roe versus Wade is one of the greatest pieces of legislation we have in this country to protect our women. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, it was. Not anymore. So it just, it yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It just it sucks how often it comes up. You try to get your mind off of it, and you're watching TV and movies, and it's just there. Yeah, that just angers me so much. Next, we're going to do an episode on the movie Revolutionary Road. No, she gets an abortion in that <laughs> I movie. I was like, what? <laughs> she does it, well, spoilers for Revolutionary Road, she does it herself and dies. Oh, damn. It's in the 50s. And that I'm so scared of that for a lot of women, that they're not going to feel like they have a choice. Yeah. And... Everybody should have a choice on what they want to do with their freaking body. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All I'll say is just stop telling people what to do. Yeah, please. Dumbasses. Yeah. That's our thoughts and opinions. There you go. (laughs) But Maude on the show was 47 and she ended up pregnant and she decided to have an abortion. Uh, There was a lot of talk, you know, it's not, it wasn't an easy thing. It was a hard decision. You can see it on the show. It did cause a lot of backlash, but the show went on for another six years, ending in 1978. Wow. B was nominated several times for an Emmy, but would not end up winning it until 1977. It was her first Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress. Damn, I wonder, was that the first time they ever talked about abortion, probably, on TV? I think so. God. I mean, they had protesters. She got hate mail. It was a thing. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But there was probably a lot of people that were okay with it since they continued to, you know, get series going. Yeah, yeah. Because this was early on in the series. You said it was like in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, gosh. And you know what's really fucking disgusting about that is that we're still at the same place. Like, we've been uh. stuck for seven or for 50 years now at this point. Yeah, um, we basically just erased all of that. Well, it's just like the same fucking protests are still going. The same mm-hmm. ideas are still there. The same fights going. It's just depressing. It's exhausting, but we got to stay on it and not let people tell us what to do. I don't know how true it is because no names were given. And I think it's just because the young girl was so young at the time. But I just read an article this morning about a 10-year-old girl who was denied an abortion. She was raped. <sighs> Denied an abortion in Ohio, so she's going to Indiana where it's still legal. My word. Ten. And you know what some of the comments were on there? Wow, this isn't real. No girl could be able to get pregnant so young. Yeah, they can. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, I'm going off. That just makes my heart hurt so much. Yes. Well, I hope she's okay. But During the first year of Maude, B would play her old role of Vera Charles again in the hit Mame. With Lucille Ball playing the leading role as Auntie Mame. So this wasn't like a play. It was the actual movie. Oh, okay. When you keep saying Mame, it makes me think you're meaning fame, the movie. Oh, yeah, no. Fame. No. I'm going to live forever. (laughs) No, it's M-A-M-E. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, wait, God, I hope I'm saying it right. (laughs) I know. I don't know any other way to say it. I didn't dive too much into Mame when I covered Lucille Ball. But I guess B and Lucy didn't really like each other. Jesus, uh, kind of a habit for B. I I mm. have heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we'll talk about that. Lucy knew B really didn't want to be there. She's only doing this basically for her husband. And B would say that the film was a tremendous embarrassment and terribly miscast. Mm. And also, from what I read, from what I understand, is that Angela Lansbury wanted to be the main role that's what she did on broadway but warner brothers wanted lucille ball which seems weird once you hear what i have to say but well it seems like lucille ball would be a bigger draw than angela lansbury maybe i don't really know what she did first 
Well, it depends on yeah. the time. She did play, Angela Lansbury was in a crazy movie with Frank Sinatra called The Manchurian Candidate, mm-hmm. where she's like, their their son is under control to try and assassinate a politician or oh. the president. Oh. It's been a while, and I've I have only seen the Denzel Washington version, but I know that she played the crazy mother in that one. Yeah, it was rumored that Lucille Ball only got the part because she funded most of the movie. There you go. I'm thinking this might be true because they had to do Lucy's singing scenes in sections and splice them together because she kept getting out of breath. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I just watched a very crazy documentary about the making of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of this newish director. He'd only directed a few movies, but he had this really good idea for the movie. But then Marlon Brando got cast as Dr. Moreau, the main character in the movie, of course. And they were like, the budget for the movie went through the roof after that. Because they were like, everybody wanted in on it because Marlon Brando is a huge star. So when you say that she was in it, I could only imagine... The funds probably started coming in. Yeah, maybe. They're like, we didn't, but you said she paid for it herself, though. That's what it read to me. I don't know that for sure. Yeah. Or to be a fact, but that's kind of what I got out of it. They also had to use what they had at the time uh, to make her voice sound better, as she was a very heavy smoker. You know, who wasn't at that time? See, see, uh, we were talking about that the other day. We actually were, and I kind of forgot that I even had that in there. Because <laughs> I was like, what was Lucille's voice like at the end? Because Billy West, he's a famous voice actor. He did a bunch of stuff on like Futurama, Ren and Stimpy. But he used to call into the Howard Stern show pretending to be old Lucille Ball. And he'd always be <laughs> like, Howard, <laughs> Howard, how's it going? It wasn't that bad, but the what we listened to, it was just, you could tell. She, you could tell she had smoked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When Maude ended in 1978, so did B and Jean's marriage. Mm-hmm. Nothing that I could find said why they got divorced. But again, she was very private mm-hmm. and probably wanted to keep it that way. Understandable. Jean would end up remarrying a year later, but B would remain single for the remainder of her years. And he married Betty White. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why she doesn't like her? In 1985, B would tell an interviewer, I guess marriage means that you're a woman and not a person. So I'm not sure what to read into that, but it seems like Jean wanted her to be something that she didn't want to be. Yeah, it sounds like it. Which again... With the recent rulings in the court, that's kind of seems that we're going back to. I know. Which means I'm about to get a lot of power over you, hon. Well, think again, buddy. <laughs> no, the law states. No. <laughs> God, that'll be fucking crazy. Let's hope not. But yeah, it's probably like Ma, my grandfather and grandpa, we called him Ma and Papa. Mm-hmm. She didn't really get to live her life. She served right. him. Exactly. <laughs> she did what he wanted and, you know. That's how it was. And I don't see you being that kind of husband. I don't think you could do that. Oh, God. Like, I haven't seen it, but I imagine that's kind of what the handmaiden's tale is. If we went to Mm -hmm. that for real, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Are there men in there that don't do that? That don't want to do it? Um. Are they all dead at this point? (laughs) Well, there is, but I don't know as much about it. It's been a while since I've watched it. But basically, if you're not, there's like a council that will come and investigate and basically watch you. Oh. Do it. Oh, Jesus. Perform the act. So you'd have to, yeah. It's an audience. I would would be those guys that would be against it. Probably killed early on in the show. 
Yeah, and if you're against it, you're best just to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Just go to Canada. That's what everybody did. Is Canada in the show? Oh, no, we're just talking about The Handmaid's Tale, but is Canada in the show still normal, or are they fucked up, too? No, they're normal. Yeah. Oof. Canada's, like, the place to be during yeah. that show. It's quickly becoming a reality here, I'll tell you that. I know people probably didn't tune in for this to be so political, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> we're, we're a little depressed this 4th of July. Yeah, that's for sure. Um. The uh, Handmaid's Tale, Canada does have their, you know, both people that are for it and against it. Uh, so it's still, it's not like, ooh, everybody is happy in Canada. There, there's still that divide. Yeah. So it's an interesting show, but you have to have, I cried probably every episode. Yeah. Let's just say that. It's very heart-wrenching. And if you've ever had any kind of sexual trauma in your life, it'll probably touch some things that you haven't felt in a while. Oh, Jesus. From experience. But back to B, because that's B. more Arthur, exciting. How the hell did we get off of <laughs> Holy shit. Remember the B. Arthur episode where they just talked about <laughs> Roe vs. Wade the whole episode? Yeah. And when we're recording this, this is July 2nd? Yes. So you probably won't get this until august this episode so keep that in mind because scott mentioned the fourth of july which we are not going to be celebrating i mean we don't really anyway it, mm -mm. you know it's just usually it's just my parents and i and stuff but my mom and dad my mom's sick this week so we didn't really have any plans to do it but i mean we're not i can i'll just go ahead and say we're not going out of our way to be like fuck the country we're not going to celebrate right we don't really do much i mean we don't really have a place to shoot fireworks off. Yeah, we can. Like, where we're at, it's okay. But our dog, Lily, is just so afraid. Like, the town had their big firework thing mm -hmm. last night, and she was just scared to death. Very scared, yeah. And I think we're coming off as anti-American now, or at least I am, because mm. a very weird interaction this morning when I left to get the groceries to pick them up. Our neighbor, I couldn't hear him very well because he was a little ways away from me. But I think he was telling me that they're going to take their American flags down that they have in their yard mm -hmm. tonight. And I don't know why he told me that. <laughs> that was very weird. I'm like, I don't care. But he's interesting. So Yeah, they have little American flags like on the uh, their sidewalk area where like the street meets their curb. Yeah. And I, th I don't know. I could have misheard him. If he's listening to this podcast, please come and let me know what the hell that was about. But <laughs> he was just like, again, very far away. But he's like, oh, I'm going to take these down. Yeah. I'm like. Okay, why are you telling me that? I, I mean, well, you probably, keep them up. He's probably upset. I guess because they do that every year. They're very patriotic, you know. They're, but they're upset about everything going on as well. So I thought about it's getting just disappointing. Yeah, I thought about getting a flag and hanging it upside down because that means the country is in distress. Well, it's a sign that I don't know where that came from, but. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, when they played Saturday Night Live one year, there was some politician that was running for government or something, and they wanted to hang an American flag upside down, and they were like, uh, no. Yeah. That, <laughs> but that's just that a sign. That cause some problems. It's a sign that the America is in distress. Well, we are certainly that. Be like, happy 4th of July, upside down flag. <laughs> and again, I want to stress these are our opinions and our opinions alone. You're a lot of editing on this one here. It's going <laughs> to be like 10 minutes once I edit out all of our opinions. Be like, you know, it's a better idea idea just to cut this out so we're gonna talk about your favorite part right now in 1978 b became a jedi she appeared in the star wars holiday special which was a variety show set in the star wars universe i didn't know she was a jedi i knew in the clip that i watched she's a bartender she is i just wanted to throw that in there 
She's a hidden Jedi. She doesn't reveal it, but she's a Jedi. Because I'm not a Star Wars fan and know all the lingo. And her, I was just like, um, that sounds cool. Her force power is not getting <laughs> along with people. But Star Wars the movie was a big hit the previous year. So the show is hoping to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. B played a gruff bartender whose customers did not want to go home when, they, when the planet had a curfew. So she serenaded them with a song called Good Night But Not Goodbye, which I'll try to link the video. It's something. On, you know, on our social, well, probably not social media, because our, well, we'll see. Either social media or in our show notes, yeah. you can find a link. It's something. I mean, it's, it's hated, like, and it's one of those weird 70s, like, uh, with, like, the Star Wars holiday specials featuring music from... Jefferson Airplane. Oh, yeah. And just, it is bizarre. Like, Han, or, uh, Harrison Ford, you can tell he does not want to be there. I thought, I mean, I just listened to the part where she's saying yeah. and I thought it was okay. Well, he wants the rest of it. It's bad. Maybe. From 1985 to 1992, B would play a sarcastic divorce teacher named Dorothy on The Golden Girls. All right. Here we are. There it is. We've made it. We've made it to the... The Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. If you have never seen The Golden Girls, I would encourage you to do so because it is super funny. Mm -hmm. It's a comedy sitcom about four senior citizens living together in Florida because that's where everyone retires. That would, I mean, hurricanes. That's my only concern about Florida. Yeah. Hurricanes. Well, in, in Seinfeld, the show, his parents live in a community and hopefully it's not like this, but it's all like politics, like older people, you know, be like, mm. oh, get him out or we don't like him. He needs to get out of here. <laughs> and and I, that would be my biggest fear if we ever retired into a community like that. It's because those people have nothing better to do. Oh, no. So they might Meddle as well in your business. ruin your lives. <laughs> Why not? But the four ladies would cope with aging, looking for love and enjoying each other's friendship. This show would also help B get her second Emmy in 1988. Good for her. So the rumor is, is that B and Betty White did not get along. Mm-hmm. So I did do a little bit of research on that. B's son would admit his mother could sometimes be difficult to get along with. Mm-hmm. He would say, it would make my mom unhappy that in between takes, Betty would go and talk to the audience. It wasn't jealousy. It was a focus thing. My mom unknowingly carried the attitude that it was fun to have somebody to be angry at. Nah. It was almost like Betty became her nemesis, someone she could always roll her eyes at at work. I could see that being frustrating if you're in the moment, you know, they're going to start working crowds. Yeah, but I mean, that's her thing. And I think, again, B was very introverted probably and get and she did not want that attention yeah like if she was doing a play of course she would want that interaction but just to go up and actually get that attention i can totally i totally get it yes like with this podcast i kind of want people to be like "Woo, yeah okay wonderful yeah but if i was to actually go up to somebody i would be bumbling idiot like i'm just not i'm just not that kind yeah. of interactive person. Different personalities, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But Betty White would say in a 2011 interview uh, with the Village Voice that she was not fond of me. She found me a pain in the neck sometimes. It was my positive attitude, and that made me mad sometimes. 
sometimes if I was happy, she'd be furious. All right. But I mean, have you been around a person that is just so bubbly and happy all the freaking time? It gets annoying. Yeah. Not enough to dislike that person, but for a moment you're like, my God, can you just be depressed for a second? I think when I've been around those types of people, it just comes off as very fake. Mm. You're like, oh, this isn't real. Yeah, I have watched some other interviews with Betty White, and she is a little flirty. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be interesting when I get to her, when I research her more. A lot of men in her wake. I don't know, but... I, like, I'm thinking it's going to ruin what my view of her is. Uh, Well, that's the problem with celebrities, is that you think that they're, like, these great people. They're super nice. But everybody has problems. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm not saying this makes B an awful person. Right. She has every right to be, you know, upset or annoyed by people. That's how I think I would be. You know, I see, I read it, I read, I listened to an interview with Jeff Goldblum on the Conan O'Brien podcast the other day, and he seems so nice. He actually is interested in people, wants to hear from them, remembers their names. And I'm like, man, if I was a celebrity, they'd probably think I was an asshole because, you know, sometimes I don't want to talk to people Mm -hmm. or sometimes I don't want to do something. And, you know, (laughs) I probably would, well, the name thing, I don't know, I'd probably forget somebody's name and... I just was like, I would make a terrible celebrity because they'd be like, oh, you're going to go on the Conan O'Brien podcast today. I'm like, today was supposed to be my day off. What the fuck? <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, he's an asshole. He's difficult. And I'd be like, Conan? What? Conan? Conan O... Is that how you say it? Conan? Brohian? <laughs> Me and my names, I'm telling you. So I feel like I would be like B. Arthur, where I'd just be like, you know what, Betty? I'm in a fucking mood today. I, I'm just... I didn't sleep very well. I kind of don't want to be here today. Shut the fuck up, Betty White. <laughs> Never you, thought I'd say that. This is kind of out of nowhere, but I realized that I had nowhere in my notes how tall B is unless we get there, but I'm almost done. Um, but she was 5'10". Estelle Getty is 4'11". I know. But very short. And She's then tiny. Rue and Betty White, the Rue McClanahan 5'3", and Betty White 5'4". Okay. So among those, she was a giant. For sure. Yeah, she definitely towered over them if you watch the show or some of the uh, pictures that she's in and stuff. That's like just a quick story. My dad, whenever he would say like when he first met my mom's side of the family, all of my mom's side of the family are very short, which I thought I was at the time going to be because I didn't I didn't hit my growth spurt till very late. Mm-hmm. But he was like, I would go over there and it was like I was like a giant. <laughs> He's like, I would stand around all these short people because he's like six one, and mm-hmm. they're all like five five five. He's like, I was like a giant. Wow. So when I didn't hit my growth spurt for the longest time, I was five two going into senior year. I was like, this is it. This is as good as gonna get. Aw, now you're taller than me. Six one. It happened. Mm-hmm. It finally happened. In 1991, B. Arthur did make an appearance on the American Comedy Awards. She did the Urkel dance with Jalil White. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to post that video as well because it's kind of cute. What's the Urkel dance? I guess I don't remember. Yeah, you'll have to. It's like some weird, like, put your arms in the front and oh, put your arms in the yeah. back. And it's there's like, some, mm-hmm. some pelvic moving yeah. going on there. Yeah. <laughs> as I'm doing it in my chair. I didn't realize it had a name. Um, after the dance, if you, depending on what um, YouTube video you see, but 
the camera pans out to the crowd and you can see Betty White say, B, you are so wonderful. Oh. At least that's what I got out of it. Yeah, it's, and I have nothing, I didn't mean when I called Betty White a bitch, I was like, from B's perspective. Oh, I've right. heard nothing no. but good things about Betty White, so it's it's just funny to me that she's probably the nicest, and she's like, oh, B, you're just so wonderful, and she's like, god damn you, Betty White. <laughs> Like, B, I got you some food and some drinks, and uh, do you need me to get you anything? You son of a bitch. You slap it out of her hands. <laughs> Don't you ever do that again. She's just constantly happy, and B is constantly just mad at her for it. That'd be like a funny show. That would be. B, I noticed your uh, tires were a little low, so I took them and got them aired up and had your car washed. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Next thing you know, Betty White's car is keyed and her <laughs> tires are slashed. And Betty White's just like, well... It happens. Okay, I'm just oh. going to have to call AAA. <laughs> you fake bitch. I know you're so fake. <laughs> oh, that's... Um, at the end, B would also say, hey, MC Hammer, try to touch that. Whoa. I'm like, whoa, that's so funny. Um, B would have a guest appearance on the popular show Malcolm in the Middle in the 2000s. Oh. I remember that show, too. I didn't really watch it a whole lot. I watched some of it. It was actually very funny. Mm-hmm. That was Walter White before Walter White. Right. Oh, yeah. Brian Cranston was on there as the mm-hmm. dad. The, the family would take a vacation in this Malcolm in the Middle episode. The family takes a vacation except for Dewey, who has to stay home with an overage babysitter who is played by B. Oh, right. Doesn't she die? Or am I mixing I that up? I think so. I do remember that kind of an episode, but maybe I'm mixing it up with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I just watched a small clip, and I don't, I don't think she did. Yeah. All right. Are you gonna look it up? Yeah. Okay. No, she does not die. They actually, okay. her and Dewey become good friends. Good. Okay, I didn't think so, but you know who knows. She was nominated for an Emmy for outstanding guest star or guest actress, but she didn't win. Actually, Jean Smart, who played Lorna and Frasier, ended up winning oh, okay. the Emmy. Adding on another woman that be hated. <laughs> right? No. <laughs> I don't think so. B was in Futurama, the episode yes. in 2001. It was called Amazon Women in the Mood. Yes. Yes, that's right. I did look it up because I was like, what have I seen B. Arthur in? She was the voice of Fim Pewter, who was the leader of a man-hating tribe of Amazonian women. She would sentence Fry and his friends to death by Snoo Snoo. Yes, that's become a very big meme these days, where it's like, death by snoo snoo, where it's like death by sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and it shows these, like, skeletons of these guys. Like, the skeletons, if I remember right, they all have smiles. But, like, their pelvises are broken. (laughs) Because these women, these Amazon women, are gigantic. Yeah, they're... (laughs) And then they were all like, yes, please, death by snoo snoo sounds great. Well, in the clip, if I remember right, there's funny because they start smiling, and then they're like, horror, they're like... <laughs> They're like, we're gonna have sex. We're gonna die by sex. We're gonna have sex. <laughs> I thought, yeah, if you could look that one up too, or I, I'll try to link it. We'll see. I think she and Bender get together at the end. No, I didn't know that. But when B did decide to leave the Golden Girls, which was in 1991, the last episode would air in 1992. It kind of opened her creative juices. She ended up collaborating with the pianist. Billy Goldenberg, and started her own one-woman Broadway show. All right. It was called B. Arthur on Broadway, 
just between friends. I thought you were going to say, B, Arthur, the women I've killed. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I we really have not made a case for her being mean or like not liking people, but no. it, it makes me laugh to think of her as just being this hated or like this hateful person of like people being nice to her and just not liking them. I know. But this would open in 2002. And it was kind of funny because she would open and end every show reading a recipe for lamb, which included face twitches and punctuated by voice inflections, just to show that it's not what you say, but how you say it. So she would just read this nonchalant recipe, but would read it differently each time, like maybe sexy or mean or all Hmm. all those different things. Very interesting. Feelings. Yeah, just to show the differences. Yeah. The show was a hit and earned a Tony nomination for production. Oh, pretty cool. B would continue to drop in as a guest star on different TV programs until late in life when she was diagnosed with lung cancer. Was she a smoker? It didn't say anything. And, you know, I didn't find any pictures or anything with a cigarette because, like, when I did Lucille Ball, Mm. whoa. Like you could tell. <laughs> oh my gosh. Every picture she I mean, she even modeled with a cigarette in her yeah. hand. I mean Well I was gonna say she got all those cigarettes for free for modeling them. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> her final appearance was to accept a pop culture award with her fellow Golden Girls, Betty White and Rue McClanahan. No. On June eighth, two thousand nine. Unfortunately at this time, um Estelle Getty who played Sophia, had already passed, so she wasn't there. But she was like, wasn't she the youngest of them, though? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wait, die first. That's I sad. Know. It is. Because B was such a private person, she didn't tell anyone in the industry about her cancer diagnosis. She passed away less than a year later on April 25th, 2009, with her family by her side. No. It was a devastating surprise to her fans and those in the industry. A big surprise would come to the Alley Fortney Center, who helps homeless LGBTQ plus youth in the form of a donation of $300,000. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. The Alley Forney Center funds had dried, dried up at this time and they were facing eviction. The money donated helped them stay afloat. That's amazing. So that's really nice. And B also gave 100000 to the American Indian College Fund. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very cool. That, I thought that was just super neat. That on her passing that she would kind of give $400,000, which again, maybe isn't a whole lot compared to maybe the millions that she was worth. I don't know. I mean, anything at all helps. As he said, it helped him stay afloat. So that's amazing. Exactly. So I just thought, man, what a good lady. Yeah, she seemed like she was very good. And I uh, actually identified with her because like Mm -hmm. I said, if I was a celebrity, I'd probably be grumpy and mean and nasty sometimes because, you know, you just... Sometimes you wake up that way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think she was just a real person that didn't want to just act her whole life. Because it's almost that's kind of what actors and actresses have to do. They have to act on screen and off screen. And they have to be on all the time, which is probably exhausting. Yeah. When we did the episode on Jolt, when we recorded it, I was not feeling it. I'm just like, I don't want to do this. And then we did it and it was fine. So maybe (laughs) I would be a good actor. Yeah, you just got to get it, get the wheels rolling. Yes, probably. So there is, if you type in B. Arthur smoking, you will find a few photos, including oh, yeah. this badass one right here. 
Wow. Okay. It just I'll, we can cool. post that too. Mickey Mouse. But no, it's yes, there is like a Mickey Mouse, but it's just her sitting here taking a drag off a of smoke, looking badass. Okay. We well, can, we need to post this. Maybe she did smoke. <laughs> yeah, it seems like she did. That always scares me though. It's like people getting cancer, like lung cancer, without smoking. Like Walter White. I know it's a show, but you know he had lung cancer. Yeah. Although they did make reference to him working around chemicals quite a bit when he was younger. So maybe, but that's me where I'm like, am I going to get lung cancer? I don't smoke. Well, I think um, before it was like outlawed that you couldn't smoke in restaurants mm-hmm. or out in public, basically. I mean, you can get lung cancer from secondhand smoke. Yeah. So I don't doubt that a lot of people did have that diagnosis and didn't smoke. I mean, fortunately, now that's kind of different. You can actually go to a restaurant and enjoy your meal and not have to worry about you know, the person next to you lighten up. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? That shows how old we are is that we remember when you, it was a smoking and non-smoking section. Yeah. My mom smoked a lot. Well, yeah. both my parents did. And I just remember every time we finish our meal, you know, they'd light up and then it'd just be like cigarette smoke. And yeah. it would just ruin everything for me. And I mean, I know they had smoking sections and non-smoking sections, but while you're eating... I don't know. I don't know. It's just not like my thing anyway. After sex, you know, they just want to light a cigarette up <laughs> after eating. They're like, oh, I feel so good right now. Let's I guess. just top it off. It's just, <laughs> I've smoked a few times and it's just hot air and I don't get it. It's just yeah. hot air into your lungs. I have never tried it. I've never had a desire. Nothing of that. A good friend of mine, when I worked at Best Buy, smoked, and I wanted, I was like, oh, yeah. And he was, he would be all like, I smoke American spirits. And I was like, oh, are those supposed to be better? I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try them out. They've got flavor, and it's just, it's hot air. Yeah. It's just, yeah. That's weird. So there's, there's B. Arthur. (laughs) After all that. (laughs) You should be used to our squirrel moments. Yeah. We have so many of them. That was B. Arthur. She did smoke. I will save this photo because it is pretty badass looking. Yeah, that is kind of neat. But hopefully you guys are enjoying these. If you are, we would just ask that you... Rate and review us on whatever platform. There's a lot of different ones that have rate and review now. And share this with a friend. Yeah. If you have a friend sitting next to you and and they're not listening to the Film Obsessed Couple, you take their phone, as long as they're your friend, Mm -hmm. you know, don't do it to a stranger because I don't want you to get hurt. Take their phone, download whatever app they need to listen to a podcast, and then find us and then be like, dude. What are you doing with your life? Listen to these people. Yes, I can't stress that enough. Don't listen to it on your own phone, but get another phone and listen to it together. Yeah, but download it on each phone. Yes. (laughs) However many people there are with you need each to use their own phone. Yes. (laughs) But we do appreciate you listening, and we want to keep this series going, so we would appreciate all the shares that you can get um, and have other people join in and we would love feedback. You know, you can get us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Email us, thefilmobsessedcouple at gmail.com. Um, if you do happen to reach out to us, we will shout you out on the, the show here. Yep. So on an episode, we'll do whatever, man. Let's get us get us out there. Yes. And that's Very it. cool. I learned quite a bit. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining.